everyone, welcome back. It's another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and with me together, uh, with me today, together with me, always, my co-host, At my own house. John. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm awesome. That's good. So, we're going to start off right away, um, because I, I, I got beef, John. I got beef. So... If, if you don't know, podcast listeners, I do this podcast and then I take the stories we talk about and I cut them up into YouTube videos. And that's how I do my YouTube content every week for the Drop Rate channel. And so occasionally we get comments. And I there's a lot of good comments and a lot of good conversation that happens. So I don't want to make this like, I don't want to make this about how people are always negative because that's not the case. But I, I use this to reply to people who don't seem to get the point that we were trying to make. Now, I usually leave a comment on YouTube as well so that I can like reach out to them. And I actually consider myself to be pretty professional and, and nice about it all. Um, but uh, we got another, we got this like weird comment and it was about the conversation we had last week. So we were talking about the limited launch of the PlayStation 5 and I had made a bold claim, which I do think is a bold claim to be fair. I made a bold claim that said after the the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X generation will most likely be the last physical generation of consoles, which I've been saying that since the PS4 era. Like, I've just been saying that. Like, you can, I mean, look at, look at the transition from PS2, there was no digital because it wasn't an option. PS3, they started making digital an option to where we are now and how much it's shifted to digital. And you look at something like, look at the PC market. There's nothing physical PC anymore. So it's not that it's unheard of. So that's just, that's a bold claim that I've made. And as a video game store owner and video game store collector, I certainly hope that's not the case. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like the idea of not having something collectible and physical that I actually own as opposed to owning a license that they can take away at any time. Yep. So to get to the comment, uh, the, the person said, quote, now this, I think he was quoting us because he said, quote, you don't know where streaming tech will go, but this is definitely the last generation for physical based hardware, which is what I did say. I did say that, to be fair. That's my bold claim. Uh, to which this person replied, do you look at any of these industries that have added digital distribution as an option? None of them, none of them have went to a complete digital distribution method, which PC has arguably, but you know, so he goes on to say game sales, not revenue is still in favor of physical sales, which actually that's all true. You know, there's not anything there, although he's when he uses sales, but not revenue, you can't count revenue because it mixes in stuff like Fortnite bucks. <laughs> and so <laughs> obviously revenue digital is going to kill when you've got all these free to play like, you know, type games. Um, but game sales are still physical over digital in the ps4 era it's true it's not not true right uh but then this is where it went a little further he goes games go all streaming that's another leap that doesn't match the history of any other media why can't you people i don't know what it means by you people john is he think he talks about white people (laughs) Uh, oh yes i was gonna go i was gonna say white people (laughs) why can't you people make moderate reasonable claims instead of jumping off the cliff like idiots so i was actually on board with this comment i don't care that people disagree with me um, because are we being are we being lumped in with like other content creators that make videos? Because like if he's talking about like you people like just 
gamers on YouTube making videos. I'm I'm okay with being in that group. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I guess that's fair, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think, think he's fair. just talking about, like, me and you as, like, you people. <laughs> See, I, I, I think he's probably referring to quote-unquote game journalists, which I'm not a game journalist. I've never claimed yep. to be. I'm an opinionist. Definitely I just not. have worked in the video game industry for 20 years. And so I've taken that I've taken that um, experience I've had and I apply it because I'm also someone who likes to dive in. I mean, it's the whole reason I do this podcast is because I love getting extra information. And I love sharing it with people. You know, so like I said, I was actually, if, if he had left it off and said, why can't you make you know, moderate claims instead of something so extreme, I just said, oh, okay, and I would have gone into it. But of course, he has to end it with jumping off the cliff like idiots. So I reply, <laughs> it's my opinion that in seven to eight more years, there may be no physical media anymore. I don't think that's a stretch. And then, of course, I go, I don't, I don't know why you can't just have a conversation without resorting to insults. You make a good point that no other media has gone all digital except PC games, you could argue. And even things like vinyl making a comeback and companies like limited run games are keeping physical going. I also never said that we will go all streaming. In fact, I argued how streaming is struggling to find a business model that is sustainable. We can have a conversation without being rude to each other. So, you know, Greggy just come in at the last second with some knowledge and that's just polite conversation. I love having a good conversation, even, um, a confrontation about differing opinions. I actually love that quite a bit. But, you know, people can't keep the negativity out of it. So the things I'm clearing up. One, I never said that games will be all streaming someday. In fact, I am very leery about streaming technology with the terrible um, internet infrastructure we have in this country. I yep, just don't same. see how they can go all digital. And we're learning that lesson right now with Stadia because it works great for people who have amazing internet. And it's unplayable for people that don't. So you yeah, can't you automatically in Silicon Valley. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Hey, did you go where Google fibers in Kansas city? Hey man, Kansas city stadia is real hot right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, probably not outside of Stevens point where my parents live. Not so hot. Stadia is not killing it out there with those folks. So anyway, I don't think streaming is, I mean, I think streaming could be the future. I think one day everything will be streaming. If we start getting like 6, 6G, 7G internet, if they can do satellite internet upload and download speeds as fast and as consistent as we get through cables, well then, yeah, you know, that, that'd be a thing that'd be more realistic. But man, is that even, I mean, I, I would like to think that's in our lifetime, but we're both kind of old. So, uh, well, we were also talking crap about the streaming from PlayStation Now. We were. We, we weren't. Which, yeah, which actually we weren't now. Playing up PlayStation Now streaming. We were actually saying it sucks because you have to stream it. Whereas Microsoft, you download the full game and that is a better solution. Yes. So, and, and that person. That wasn't the argument. And that person, the reason I think it's the person that left the other negative comment uh, about us about another Sony video is because his icon is literally the PS5 controller. Like that's his avatar okay. for YouTube. So obviously a Sony fan, which is totally fine, which is also funny because we get made fun of all the time for being Sony fanboys when like literally behind you right now, there's like a hundred Xbox one games. Uh, there's like 430 well, Xbox in, in, one games in the shop, <laughs> in the shop. <laughs> there's about a hundred. <laughs> um, but, but exactly. So it's just, it's all, it's all whack, man. I don't know. But anyway, I wanted to lead off with that because I want to set the record straight because I like having a good conversation, but now 
there's a really good chance that that guy will hear none of this though. Right. And that's fine. Just going to be on the podcast. And I don't care because he probably uh, doesn't listen to it. I mean, I know I'm right anyway, so I don't I don't need I don't need that person to hear it. Uh plus they had a whole week to reply to my comment and they didn't. So, <laughs> that tells me that he read it and went, "Wow, I'm a, I'm out of my league this Greg guy. Holy stuff, man. This guy is really smart. I shouldn't argue with him." Now, did you go over to his channel and copyright claim a bunch of stuff just to really stick it to him? Well, I did. I was going to do that anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> no, actually, you know, it's funny. I didn't even look further into it. I didn't click on him to see if he has a channel where he does. I, you know, I don't care because he was wrong. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, when you put your opinion out there, like we do on a weekly basis, you're bound to run into people that don't like it and don't want to hear it uh, yet somehow can't get over the fact that you put it out there and have to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> so and still end up watching it fully. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which is great. I mean, I'm glad. And, and he probably gave us a thumbs down, but I'll tell you what, watching it and giving us a thumb down and leaving a comment. That's about the best interaction you can give me on a YouTube video. It shows that the video has got legs. It shows that like YouTube's like, Oh, Hey, people are, are interacting with this video. And then it pushes it. So it's, you're not, not, you're, you're not hurting me at all by leaving me a thumbs down, which is excellent. Uh, which is why I'm glad and you they... make that, that huge YouTube money. It oh my God. Rolling in. You have no idea. Like, man, <laughs> 70 bucks, I think. So in the last few months, incredible <laughs> profits, you know, it's like, I shouldn't be wait. I should, I should be doing something else with my time. Probably I'd make a lot more money doing anything else, <clears throat> but you know, I like to do it and it's fun. So we will do it. Um, before we get to what we've been playing, John, um, we, I'm going to talk about our stories today. So the first story we're going to talk about is at first it was going to be a good story. And it was that Naughty Dog has a release date now for last of us too, because we knew that it had been postponed indefinitely. So they set a date for that. And if you remember, we had talked about, I had actually said it was going to be a fall game and I'm way off. It, it actually only got delayed a month, which is fantastic. Cause I really want to play surprised me. It surprised me very much, but the reason that it got delayed only a month is probably going to not surprise you <laughs> as massive spoilers have leaked all over the internet of the story. So most likely it forced Naughty Dog and Sony to release it sooner because a lot of the information's out there and it's going to kill the hype for the game. Although, I mean, does Sony, do Sony first party games really need a lot of hype at this point? I mean, almost everyone is just universally loved by the people that are going to buy it anyway but uh, and i was telling you this too and i won't obviously we won't spoil anything here on the podcast of course Uh, but i had something potentially spoiled for me as i was looking into a video about this xbox uh, latency thing and it was a bunch of fanboys started arguing in the twitter comments and as i'm reading uh, one person who apparently was an xbox fan just said hey sony fanboys and then plopped a spoiler in there so I read it without knowing what I, and I was like, oh no. So I'm hoping it's not right, uh, but it could be, <laughs> and I sure hope it isn't. <laughs> but again, yeah, could... everybody may want to just be careful of comment sections Don't, on yep. the internet yep. in the next like month. I was, when uh, I was looking up info for that story, man, I, I was like, I was reading Reddit threads and I'm like, okay, read the Reddit post and then do not dip into those comments. Like, don't even skim them. Don't do anything. You're going to you're going to really regret it. And so I've somehow I've avoided anything else. Um, but what's actually, I'll talk about when we talk about the story, but there's another funny part about a spoiler. That's not really a spoiler. Um, but it's, it's about what was spoiled 
and and how some people are reacting to those spoilers. Uh, so okay. we'll talk about that, and then we're going to talk about what I had just mentioned. We're going to talk about this. Um, so Phil Spencer was was being interviewed. Uh, actually, was he interviewed even, or was it just a, like a Twitter response or something? But basically, he talks about a feature that will dramatically change the feel of games to the point of difference between 2D and 3D gaming. So so we have an article to, about Phil Spencer talking about how something called dynamic latency input is going to be as big of a technological leap as it was from games going from 2D to 3D. So we're going to talk about that. And then we have a, a listener question, and then we're going to obviously have our games of the week and our pickup piles of the week. But first... Let's get this started. John, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I picked up uh, Trials of Mana, the remaster. Yes. Uh, so that'll be in my pickup pile. Uh, and so I played a little bit of that. Uh, and it's it's great. Like, I don't know why they released it so damn close to uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, and, and, and it was like, there's something up with that game because it's only a $50 game. Yeah. It's not 60 And they didn't give it like like i would have almost been okay if they charged 64 and they did a huge marketing push to make it like a triple a release like I, I agree with you i don't really know why they're sleeping on this game it's like you know it's popular enough yeah the graphics are great like i they did a really good job of translating the 3d characters or 2d characters to 3d um it's uh and it and really quickly reminds do you want, me oh sure sorry do you want to talk about this game so this is a remake of a game yeah. so why don't you talk a little bit about like what the original game was so people know when they when you say 2d to 3d they kind of get what you're well, the, saying the original game is the direct or the sequel to secret of mana which is one of my favorite games of all time yeah. which we never and got they, here officially right yeah. and the the game plays pretty much exactly like secret of mana um for the the n60 or the super nintendo game that we never got um so it's Seiko Densetsu 3, or however you pronounce it. Seiko Densetsu 3, I believe, is how you say it. And then, because a lot of people don't realize that, and it helped that the Secret of Mana collection came out for the Switch here, because the first Seiko Densetsu did come to the States as Final Fantasy Adventure on the Game Boy. And so then when they made Seiko Densetsu 3, or excuse me, Seiko Densetsu 2, that came to the U.S. as Secret of Mana, and then yep. they did Second and Setsu three, which we never got in the states, but it got ROM translated, ROM hacked into tr- English translations as Secret of Mana two. So you can find it out there. You can get it fully translated and play it. Uh, you can even find flash cartridges of it. Like we had reproductions at the store even for a while of that game, just because you okay. couldn't get it normally. So, but anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So yeah, this this game is a direct. Uh, as far as storyline goes, retelling of the the story from the uh, the um, the Switch release, uh, so they they didn't change the dialogue at all, which is interesting. Um, uh, but the gameplay is a lot different, so it it plays very similar to like a Tales game. So you have full camera movement. Uh, the it's a hack and slash game. You can you can jump, which you couldn't do in the original game. Um, and then the original game did have two or three player multiplayer. They did remove that for the remake of the the game. Uh, but I don't think it suffers, uh, at all. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to get more into it. I don't understand why when they remade secret of mana, like 
two or three years ago that they didn't put this amount of effort into it because this game is very much unknown to the average gamer. Whereas if you were to say secret of mana, they'd be like, Oh, I've heard of that. I've heard it's good. So like secret of mana, the remaster for PS4 was just a lazy, lazy effort. Uh, and this is the exact opposite. It's yeah, really, it, really good. It even had like weird cutoff issues. Like there were certain bosses, like the aspect ratio was off or something. And like it cut off parts of the screen. Um, just weird yeah. stuff. Um, so I played the demo of trials of mana and I have to be honest, I was not impressed. I still bought the game. So it's in my pickup pile of the week too. Okay. Um, but I, I'm not, I was not in, I thought the demo was fine. I mean, I wasn't, I just wasn't blown away or anything. I was like, okay. Um, so there's, so there's that. Uh, and then Dom has been playing it and he told me he had to quit playing because the voice acting gets very bad. <laughs> uh, on. Did he, did he pick the little girl? As I, one of his party I, members. I don't know, unfortunately, but he said that like one character uh, talks with like a lisp and one character talks. Like, yes. He said it's really bad. Yes, he did. Um, Mike Fahey from Kotaku wrote an article about the character from the game. Uh, who's like a little, she's, she looks like a little girl, but like technically she's like 15 or 18. Uh, but her, her like species is like short. Mm. And she talks like a baby the entire time. Oh like, my god! Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh like my that. god! I and I don't know so if I can handle that, man. <laughs> Fahey said that it takes about two hours to get to the point where you're able to actually have her as the second player character, and that he lasted about 15 minutes playing with her, and he restarted the game. <laughs> and picked a different character and wiped out his first two hours of gameplay because he did not want to deal with the rest of the game with her and his party. That's not good. That's not good, but that is yeah. hilarious. But th that's how the script was written. So, like, that girl read that dumb list oh. voice acting yeah. straight off the original script. Interesting. Yep. <laughs> Anything else you've been playing? Um... I've just been downloading a lot of really cheap Xbox One games because uh, uh, they keep having sales. And I, I always just search by like $4 or less. And so I'll download whatever. So I, I've got uh, Luminous uh, Reloaded or Remastered, whatever it's called. I was playing that a little bit last night, which I enjoy that game. I enjoy anything that uh, Enhanced Games makes. The guys that did Res and... Nice. Um, I never that. got into Luminous. I tried on PSP you know, originally, and I just, it never grabbed me for whatever reason, I don't know. It's its a weird puzzle game, but I like the backgrounds, and I like the, the music and stuff, so it's its more about the music than it is about the gameplay with that game. Oh, actually, um, there's a really cool uh, puzzle game that I got last night. It's like Sabaru City, okay. and that was another game that was like three bucks on Xbox uh, for download. It's probably on PlayStation as well. But you're um, you have like a box, and there's a whole bunch of different colored tiles, and you're you're clicking on them to combine them into one one tile, and you're making buildings out of them. So you're it's kind of like a build a city building sim slash. It reminds me of the game Threes, a little bit from okay. phone, and uh, it's just it's relaxing. And for for three bucks, I was like, this is actually pretty dang good. I'm glad I bought it. All right. What are you playing? So I'm still chasing the Final Fantasy VII Remake Platinum. 
I am okay. one trophy away, which uh, Ooh, damn. I saved the, the arguably the longest and worst for last. You have to beat every stage on hard. <laughs> okay. And so, so what I did was I, I did the, the second to last trophy I did was the, um, was this really hard boss because the item you get for doing that gives you at the start of every fight, you get a full limit break. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Every fight you get a full limit break. So I, so I thought if I get that going through the game on hard, it'll be a lot faster and easier because every fight I get an instant, like most people I'm going to wipe out in one hit and that's how it was. So I basically blasted through the whole game and I'm on chapter 17 right now and How then i think just 18 if i remember correctly oh damn nice. so I'm, I'm right there like i'm but the last two are really long well are they really yeah there's there's it's kind of long because at the end of this one you fight it's like at the top of the shinra building and then you jump and then the last chapter is I mean, i'm trying to think what they all consider because there might be there might be three more chapters or i'm on 16 and it's 16 17 18 or something like that but oh, okay but anyway, I'm very close. So, um, is not... uh, how long is that hard playthrough taking you? Uh, now that you've got that that materia, I- I'm surprised how fast I'm blasting through it because I started it Sunday, and then okay. I played a little bit yesterday. I-, I played a little bit Monday. I played a good portion on Monday actually, and then yesterday I didn't play at all. And then uh, today, I I played most of the day today. So, oh, nice. yeah, so I'll definitely have that in the bag tomorrow unless unless I get hung up on one of the bosses, which is totally possible. Right now I'm in kind of an annoying part where they split your party up two and two and you have to swap back and forth between them. And so I have to equip the item that allows that other person to get limit break. So after every time I'm done with a segment, I have to swap a bunch of materia and items so that I have those <laughs> two have the best party. It's really obnoxious, actually. But it's once I get through that and I just get to the part where I have three people in my party again, it's all like... It's it's just a home stretch, and then those last two bosses are going to be, which obviously I'm not going to spoil anything, but the last two bosses are going to be really tough, and so okay. I just I just have to go in knowing the exact strategy to beat them because like I complained about with Final Fantasy VII before, as much as I love the combat, they made every fight very specific, and if you don't follow their rules to be successful, the fight will take you half hour to an hour, and you probably will not win. As opposed oh, to damn. if you follow their exact strategy that like was created to, it's almost like a raid boss in World of Warcraft, which I know you don't have a ton of experience with, but like nope. like World of Warcraft had a very specific bosses. It was like okay, in this phase he does this, so you have to have three people stand here, three people stand here, and like like there were very specific strategies for every raid boss in that game. Okay, and and this that's how this game kind of feels. Like yeah, you could probably make your own way in how to do it, but it's going to be less effective. So you might as well just do it the way that you know the game wants you to do it, you know, and they'll do I, things. I relate to that idea through Final or Fantasy Star Online from like yeah. twelve years ago. There you go, exactly. So I'm chasing that. I'm still, I'm still hanging on just barely to Animal Crossing. Like I'm doing about a half hour to forty five minutes a day just to do my daily stuff, which is funny because I had a realization the other day that that game is games as a service without making you feel like it is. You know, it's not like it's not like a game like Destiny where you you know you log into Destiny to do your daily stuff to get a chance at a rare weapon or a rare item, but it feels very grindy. This game mm-hmm. is the exact same thing. Like I log in, I I find the 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 glowing hole in the ground that I can bury money in, that I can dig it up, and then it becomes a money tree. <laughs> and I do that, and then I loot my other money tree that 
it has bloomed and then I loot that and then I cut that tree down and then I replace it with the new money tree. I dig up all the fossils, I get them assessed and then I sell them or I donate them. And then you just kind of go around your, you know, you shake trees, you sell some fruit, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm definitely weaning off that quite a bit, but have I wanna... you messed with the, uh, the art Fox? I did. The top I, of the island? I did. So I bought the first one was, I think your first one's always real. Cause then you give it to the museum yes. and then the upgrade. Went to the second one. This is actually kind of made me mad. I told the story on the Dropcast, but I bought, I bought a piece of art. And I looked at like he had like four pieces of art. Two were clearly very fake. The third okay. one was like, well, this might be real. Actually, the third one I was like, this could be real. Um, but the picture they use in the game was like way low res compared to like the pictures I was seeing online to compare it. So I was okay. like, oh, I don't know. And then lastly, there was like a bull statue. Well, when I was looking up the bull statue online, I looked it up and then all of a sudden all I could find were the animal crossing. Like, I don't want spoilers. Like, I don't want someone to tell me what's fake and what's not. <laughs> I want to figure it out, you know? And so, okay. but on this one blog, someone was like, oh, it's the animal crossing one. And it said, oh, if it's got this and this, then it's the real one. So I was like, oh, okay, it's got that. So it's the real one. So I, so I took it and it was actually fake. So the, the moron who wrote that blog was wrong and it cost me a legit art project, but I just put it in my sauna that's in my house anyway. So it's fine. Now that same thing happened to Nicole. Um, now we, we couldn't figure out what the third, um, the third piece of art or fourth piece of art was. Cause, uh, they only had three canvases and then, so we're, I guess I wasn't looking at it too closely. So I, and I haven't been playing the game. So I was like, I guess there's just three. And then she looked up a guide online that showed like, those three pieces of art and said this is the real one and so she picked that one and that was not the real yep, one. yep there you uh, go can't trust anybody it was, a, um, it was <laughs> like a, a scene that looked like a like kids playing in snow or something okay there's a lot of red and white on it i was kind of curious if that was the same picture you had no it was it was like well the one picture that i thought i actually think it was the real one it looked it looked real but it just looked off but i think it was because it was low resolution it was like it was like a a woman like floating in a river with like a bunch of flowers okay. around her. Um, but what's really funny uh, is that they have uncensored art in this game. Like there's, nice. there's a statue nice. where there's male genitalia on display and then there's paintings with breasts. So I'm just like, it's, it's, I mean, I'm impressed that Nintendo didn't like go out of their way to, to like censor the art for legitimately a game that lots of kids are going to be playing. Like, I'm very is- curious if there's going to be a last minute uproar from like parents that are talking about nudity in, in their Nintendo Animal Crossing game. You know? Is Jared going to have to make a new video of best dicks in gaming? <clears throat> oh, he might. Well, he might have to update it. <laughs> I mean, at least have to do an update video. Uh, but yes, that's about it. Uh, nothing too exciting. In fact, I'm a little, I'm, I'm almost wondering if I shouldn't have chased the Platinum on 7 because I could have spent this whole last week playing anything else. Like I, I, I really want to play Final Fantasy 6 and Final Fantasy 4. I just really want to. I... They're games I've never finished, and I just I just want to. I want to play Chrono Trigger again. I want to beat Mario Ooh. RPG. I've never beat our Mario RPG. And these are all games I, I love. I know, right? And, like, I know they're good games. It just, like, I didn't have a Super Nintendo growing up. So when I finally got into playing Super Nintendo RPGs, I had to go back and get the ones I could. I only played Earthbound for the first time about five years ago, and okay. it was amazing i was so mad that i hated that game for no reason for years like i just always had it in my head that i hated it people would talk about earthbound be like ugh, earthbound like i don't know why i just it always had this negative stigma with me and then i played it finally because it was i'd opened the store 
it was I, I think it had been open like actually you know it might be closer to seven years ago because I think I was only open like a year and it was like the summer after I opened and I was I was sitting around going well I might as well just play it and I think it took me two weeks over the course of the summer you know I sat at the store and played it because I didn't have anything else to do <laughs> so it was great did you beat it oh yeah oh yeah beat it and then I bought myself a complete in box one mint nice. in box I never one. beat that game I would always get to uh the places where you'd start fighting the Starman, and I would get my butt kicked. Yeah, that that game, and that's what's funny about that game too, is that it's for the time it was very forgiving compared to other RPGs. Like if you died in Chrono Trigger, like you you just you go back to your save. You know, in this game, if you <laughs> died, you would lose half your money, and you'd go back to the last phone you used. But you still had made all the progress in the dungeon. Like if you went back in, like you'd already take gotten all the chests out of there and everything. So it 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 was it was surprisingly a pretty generous RPG back in the day, but compared to today's standards, it was still very difficult though. And the ending ramps up a lot. Like it's pretty, pretty standard RPG. And then like you said, like the end of that game just kind of goes, it really ramps up. But so I don't know. I probably shouldn't have chased the seven platinum, but I'm going to be very proud when I get it because I, I do love the game and I love Final Fantasy seven and I love the mythos. And like, I'm going to bring this up on the drop cast next Monday, but like I don't are do you watch the Marvel movies? Are you a Marvel movie guy? Uh yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, I am <laughs> just asking cuz cuz Jordan honestly does has not watched any of the Marvel movies, but I could have yeah, probably but safely he's a weirdo. assumed. <laughs> well, yeah. But I could have probably safely assumed that you did, but I wanted to ask. Okay. So, I loved Infinity War and Oh my god, I'm totally spacing. Infinity What's the what's the last one? Like the the latest one that just came out. Cause it uh, went, Endgame. Endgame, thank you. So it was Infinity War and Endgame. Thank you. I can't believe I forgot that. So I love those movies a lot. And uh, on subsequent watch throughs, I still enjoy Endgame, but I don't think it's like super great. I think it's got a lot of fan service in it. Mm-hmm. Which is totally fine. And I started to pick apart that movie and I started to pick apart like the time travel and all this other stuff, and I started to really pick apart that movie. And then I, I like, I realized after a half an hour of talking about it that I could totally destroy that movie and think it was really stupid. Like I could rip it apart, yeah. but I chose, I'm choosing not to because I legitimately enjoyed it for what it was. And I thought it was a yeah. great, I, th- I think at the time I watched it and I still will say this now, it's very rarely do you build up to things pay off and that paid off. Let the Marvel build up for 10 years to build it to that point. It paid off. You know, I really didn't yeah. think it would, and it totally did. So amazing. But as I as I went through it again, I was like, man, I could really pick this apart. Though. Like, there's some really like <laughs> stuff that does not make sense here, or that this character wouldn't do, or that character wouldn't do, whatever. Right? That's how I feel about Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh-huh. That's what I. That was the realization I came to. Was I? I could shred this game on some of the stupidity that it has in it, some of the nonsense that the the terrible design decisions they did the boring stretched out gameplay i could i could talk for hours about the things wrong with that game but i'm going to choose not to because i understand what it was trying to do and i appreciate it for what it is and so i'm not going to dig deeper and i'm not going to shred it because i think you could do it probably with anything i mean you could probably take anything you love and really pick it apart but then why do that if you love it and i think that's kind of where i am that's where i'm with the marvel movies i'm happy with them i love them and that's where I am with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I have a lot of gripes. Even now going through it on hard again, with an overpowered accessory that makes me overpowered in the game, I still run into some BS situations. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, like I got chain killed 
earlier today because the enemy kept hitting me exactly when I was casting a, a heal spell, so he interrupted me, and it still takes your ATB bar, even though you oh, get interrupted, damn. and it still takes your MP if you get interrupted. So you lose all that stuff, and then I tried. So then character died because the heal didn't go off. So then I built up ATB, go to use the raise spell, arise. She gets interrupted, cast a mat. Down? Well, that's the item. Or is that the... But oh, in, okay. in in the hard you mode, can't you can't use items. Use items. Yep. Uh, so I use a spell to do it and I have two, two characters have the spell, so it's fine. Gets interrupted again, trying to cast it. So then, and then gets killed. My third character <laughs> start to cast it, gets interrupted casting. It loses the ATB bar, almost gets killed, but then I have no ATB to do anything and I can't use items. I can't cast spells. So basically the game wiped all three of my players out just in a BS way. Oh. Like there's no reason that should have happened. It was just nonsense. Um, but so whatever. Do you do you ever feel like you you got to the point where you're like level nine 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 like max damage uh, level ninety nine? Yes. Do you ever feel like that or not really? Uh, yes, yeah. In in certain parts of the game, on hard mode, I went. I would say about seventy five percent of the game, I felt that way. Uh, on hard mode and then now I'm getting to the harder bosses of the game and it's not even just the harder bosses it's just the ones that are more fight specific you know so you just have to go in with a strategy and the thing that sucks is and now I've actually got a really good plan because the boss I had to beat to get that kind of overpowered accessory was really difficult like that it's a boss it's a gauntlet of every summons in the game you fight them back to back so it's 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 Shiva um it's Shiva Fat Chocobo, Leviathan, Bahamut, and then after halfway through fighting Bahamut, he summons Ifrit to fight with him. So it's Bahamut and Ifrit, <laughs> and then you fight this final machine called like Pride and Glory, I think it's called, and it's like a mechanical machine, which is actually the easiest, <laughs> second easiest fight in that whole gauntlet. You just have to get there, you know. And so once oh, okay. you get there, and actually I was I was like ten minutes late to the dropcast on Monday because I was literally in the middle of that fight, <laughs> and I'm like, nice. guys, I'm like, I can't, I gotta like just. Ugh. Um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm 80, 88 hours in 88 hours into that sucker. That's not bad considering how long the game is. And then, um, the fact that you're going for the platinum, like it's, that's not a huge time killer compared to other crazy platinums that I've seen. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the length of that game and, and yeah, I would love if that game went through the entirety of Final Fantasy seven, and who knows what they're going to do with the game in the future, like where they're going to go with it, like how much they're going to do. But I can't imagine this game, them trying to just keep making it 10 parts or something, you know, like they're going to have to condense yeah. stuff down. Like you're not going to be able to stretch out like you did the Midgar section, even though that section arguably was the most glossed over in all of Final Fantasy seven. Like it's a very small area that easily had a ton of characters and lore that could be expanded upon later parts of the game though. I mean, man, you're going to really have to try hard to stretch that out, you know, cause it's already <laughs> kind of stretched out with the travel and everything, but yeah. Um, but all right. So, uh, but that's all I've been playing. So we're going to get on to the stories here. Like I said, first we're going to talk about the last of us spoilers and there, there's kind of a, we're not going to talk spoilers. Sorry. We're going to talk about it being spoiled. <laughs> we're not going to spoil it. So don't worry. Don't... Up next we're going to spoil. Yeah. And next up we're going to spoil everything. <laughs> and then, uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the Xbox, the Phil Spencer talking about the Xbox features. And then we have our question of the week. We have our fan, uh, our fan question. And then we have our games of the week and our pickup pile of the week. So 
without further ado, John, we are ready to go. Well, almost ready to go. Hold on. <laughs> Wasn't quite ready to go. <laughs> All right. You were holding your breath there, I know. So, okay. Now we're ready to go. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. So first up on the podcast today, John, like I was saying, we're going to be talking about this, well, what originally was going to start off as a great happy story of, hey, The Last of Us Part Two got a release date uh, because it was indefinitely delayed and pushed back from its May release date because of the coronavirus situation. And so we didn't know when it was going to be coming out. And I think on a video a couple weeks ago we talked about, and I think I had said it was going to come out in the fall or something like that. And it ended up, uh, the release date got moved to June. So really only from May to June. That's great. So nothing wrong there. Until you hear possibly why it released in June as opposed to later. So the headline, and this was a Forbes article, but uh, the headline is warning massive last of us Two leak reveals plot details. You don't want to see. Okay. So first of all, that there is kind of a spoiler in itself, right? Um, and I'm actually going to turn off comments on this video on YouTube because <laughs> I'm not going to even allow a, a forum for people to, uh, to leave spoilers because you know, somebody would, and there are people out there who don't care about spoilers. Um, you, you know, I know you're one who doesn't Jordan doesn't care about spoilers. I am like crazy about spoilers. I, I, I want to experience that story for the first time myself. And so I hate spoilers. Um, so anyway, I'm a weirdo oh. and sometimes <laughs> a spoiler will make me actually want to play the game. Uh, interesting. Like interesting. Like okay. The, um, Fair enough. Uh, red faction Armageddon. Uh, when you beat the game, you unlock a baby unicorn gun that fires rainbow out its butt. That mm-hmm. made me play the game. I was like, I want that gun. I'm going to play that game well, to get that gun. And uh, same thing with uh, Spec Ops The Line. People were like, they would tell me about like some crazy thing that happened in the level. And I was like, I want to see what the heck people are talking about. So, that, yeah, sometimes cool. spoilers right. for me push me toward playing it. So that's interesting. And I was going to say with your first example, you know, it's a little different because of a narrative game or really the reason you're playing it a story. And arguably for me, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I don't think Last of Us necessarily has the greatest gameplay in the world. I just like the story. So I play what I feel to be very solid gameplay. I play it because I care about the story. And I typically play it once to get the story and I'm happy with it. And uh, my wife recently played through Last of Us and she liked it as well. But arguably like the stealth elements, you know, weren't, weren't anything special to me, you know. So, uh, but here's the, uh, here's the story. So not great news for Naughty Dog today as they scramble to do damage control over a major leak of The Last of Us 2. Parts of the game taken from a dev build have been leaked online are being disseminated across YouTube. This includes an enormous amount of cutscenes from the game and various dev menus that reveal levels and plot points of The Last of Us Part 2. No spoilers were follow in this article, it goes on to say. It's a massive, sprawling leak and obviously something almost everyone is going to want to avoid, lest you fail to be surprised by various twists and turns in the game. One point, well, let's see, uh, one point in particular that's been revealed has been described as something that was supposed to quote-unquote hit players unexpectedly. But I don't know what that is and will not be discussing any of those leaks here because I've been avoiding them as you should be. That's the writer of the article saying that. Jack and Baxter uh, shows up midway through the oh game. Oh, no. Really, really throws a curveball <laughs> into everything. Yeah, it fades to black, and then you see their ship fly away, and you're like, what? It's the same yeah. universe as Jack. 
Oh, I wish that that's what it was. Uh, <laughs> the rumor currently circulating is that these dev build leaks are from a disgruntled Naughty Dog employee who was tired of being mistreated there. So he decided to mass leak all of this stuff that has not been confirmed at all yet and could end up being a fan creation based on the facts that this is a dev build and Naughty Dog is a studio known for extremely intense crunch. We've talked about it in the past. Uh, we'll have to wait and hear more about this angle of the leak, but for now, this is just a rumor. As far as the game itself, it was delayed indefinitely by Sony about a month ago as the pandemic lockdowns began. Reportedly, the game is pretty much finished, and this was more of a marketing decision rather than something that was done because work literally couldn't be completed on the game. The Last of Us Part Two was supposed to release May 29th, but there's no new date for the release, which has now since changed. Uh, June 19th is the date now. So it didn't even get delayed a month, which is crazy. Um, uh, let's see here. So then they go on to say, um, and uh, update 420, so this was yesterday, the report that this was a disgruntled employee that posted this footage and these details does seem to have panned out. As saw, uh, as seen on Twitter, Jason Schreier, Ooh. former Kotaku, um, uh, writer, editor, uh, just catching up on this Naughty Dog story. And man, no matter how angry you are about your workplace conditions or your pay or whatever else, leaking your whole game just hurts all the other people who are in the trenches with you. So many better ways to channel that rage. So Schreier seems to believe that it's true that it's an ex-employee. And I would believe him at least on something like that. Like I disagree with his opinions on things quite often, but I don't think he would tweet this out if it wasn't almost confirmed that it was an employee leak yeah um now this uh the article goes on to say this has sparked a debate between sides like quote well naughty dog deserved this because of how badly they treat their workers end quote um or let's see um and the other side is quote this hurts everyone at the company not just the bosses end quote um and then there was an official update from naughty dog themselves it says, we know the last few days have been incredibly difficult for you. We feel the same. It's disappointing to see the release and sharing of pre-release footage from development. Do your best to avoid spoilers, and we ask that you don't spoil it for others. The Last of Us Part 2 will be in your hands soon, no matter what you see and hear. The final experience will be worth it. So, that is the article. Uh, like I said, we're not going to be talking any spoilers here. So, let me ask you... John, my question to you then, based on, on this story here, would you, if you were really upset at your company, say you were a game developer, you get really upset over a pay dispute, which I've got a little bit of detail on, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Do, what do you think about the quote-unquote nuclear option that, that was seemingly uh, used here? I think this person's an idiot if this is actually what happened, because not only are you going to get fired, you are probably also going to get sued and any sort of bonus structure that might be in place that after the game ships and sells very well, most likely you're not going to get any of. Um, so yeah, I think this is a really, really stupid move. Uh, if that's, if that's the case, if it wasn't a developer, my guess would be it probably would be somebody lower on the totem pole, like a tester, um, a QA. So, um, so it's funny you mention that because now this was a Reddit thread that has no sources whatsoever. So I'm, I'm putting that out there. This is a no source Reddit thread. But, but this is what they say, and I thought it brought up a good point. Whether it's backed up by fact or not, it's a, I think it's a fair point. 
So this was this post um, on Reddit. This was 12 hours ago. Um, Everyone, please read and repost this on Reddit and Twitter. A source that works at Naughty Dog revealed recently why the leaks happened. The reason was indeed a pay dispute, but it is not the whole story. Hundreds of furloughed staff had approached Naughty Dog to ask for an advance of the post-release bonus they were contractually obligated to receive. A common industry practice is to underpay workers during production and promise them huge bonuses six months after the game's release. That's a little bit of conjecture on the writer's part, but anyway, that's not a common industry practice by any stretch. But we've heard of it before. That's what um, uh, the magic man himself does at uh, (laughs) at, uh, Gearbox. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, let's see. The better the game sells, the higher the bonus. Some employees had already made plans for this bonus, say a wedding, a house, sent kids to college. When the game was delayed indefinitely, all those plans went out the window. Some employees were hoping to use their bonus to weather the coronavirus storm and provide for their families. Naughty Dog flat out refused the request to advance them even a portion of their future bonus. The insider says, quote, the employee was told that his contract stated he would be paid out six months after the game released or not at all. The employee was threatened with termination for making the request. That seems a little far-fetched. The studio was worried more employees would demand their bonuses now if they gave this one employee his bonus early. Uh, To add insult to injury, senior staff, including Neil Druckmann, asked for and received their bonuses early. This pissed off the majority of employees at Naughty Dog. The leaks were a way of forcing the studio to release the game sooner than later. The leaker is risking career and financial ruin so that his fellow abused workers can get their piece of the pie a lot sooner. Studio rumor put the expected release date around the holidays before the leaks. This means that the staff wouldn't receive their bonuses until around May of 2021. Um, Okay, so again, that is completely devoid of any sources as far as I can tell. But I thought it brought up a good point. Because it, it brings up the idea of the PR battle. Because on one end, you've got this is the disgruntled employee who hurt the company, hurt the other employees, and hurt the fans by doing this, right? That that was our gut reaction. Mm-hmm. That was yours. That was mine. But then there's this other, now there's this other PR battle, which is what if he, like this leaker, legitimately leaked it to push the game to come out sooner to get those bonuses into the hands of those people sooner. Now, I agree with you. I, I don't think it was the best move to take um, because that person most likely will get terminated. There had to be some sort of contract. I'm sure a company like Naughty Dog has this stuff very tightly sealed up. And so, but it's an interesting battle of narratives, I guess I would say, because you've got on one hand, you've got the the developer leaking it because he's angry didn't get paid and he looks like the bad guy for ruining the game for everyone and on the other side you've got well what if he's actually doing it to force the release of the game sooner to get him and his co-workers their bonuses faster so since you brought it up now and you've heard that how do you when you hear these two narratives which one sounds more realistic to you i mean this sounds like a combination of the the gearbox story and the Mike Schreier crunch story. Like it, it sounds like to me, it sounds like people are reading too much into it. And I, I'm not, I wouldn't believe that random Reddit thread personally. Right. And that's um, why, and that's, yeah, like with no sources, it, it bums me out. It more just got my brain thinking that it is an interesting alternative option, right? It is possible that that's what happened, but 
you know, e- even still, I, I have a hard time thinking it's okay doing that because I do think that there's damage done on a company level, which you may not care about if the company's boning you. But I mean, all these other people, like you talk, we talked about this when we talked about the crunch at Naughty Dog last, that last video we did. And it was about how the people that work there are specifically hired there with the expectation that they have a high standard. So all of your coworkers that have a huge high standard have been working on this game for years. This is not how they want to be in the news. This is not how they want to get this game out there. And so you are hurting people, whether you're helping them in the long run or not, you're still hurting people at that moment. And, and, you know, not to sound selfish, but I do think it damages the excitement for the game. And, and I, I don't want to say like, it doesn't quote unquote hurt gamers. Like I don't, it doesn't do that, but I think that it, it could. And someone who's really excited for it, who maybe thinks oppositely of you doesn't want spoilers you know, and so I, I don't know. I just wonder about that, but I, I agree with you that um, I don't. I certainly was not the right way to go about it. I don't think in any in any situation. I don't think it was the right thing to do. But what? Um, so knowing what we know now, let's let's say for instance that it was a pay dispute. If you were in that situation, how how do you think you would handle it? What would you do? if you were in this exact situation where you were waiting on a bonus, waiting on a payout, and then a game gets delayed indefinitely. I mean, I wouldn't, when I worked at GameStop, you got bonuses and you kind of didn't know what the bonuses were going to be until, until it was presented to you. And so I never worked depending on that bonus to do anything. Like that bonus was always like, yay, extra, an extra grand because it was never much at GameStop. But like, I didn't plan my future around getting that bonus. So I, I think it's poor planning. I do find it interesting that they said that those workers are furloughed um, because like, don't they have other games that they could be working on right now? Um, And like squashing bugs and updating and uh, stuff like that. So it, it seems bizarre to me that, that they would be furloughed like a lot of other um, industries are right now, because there's yeah. definitely work that can be done by game developers. Cause they just work at computers for the most part every day. It's like, well, and it, it shows a lot that the game got delayed obviously from its what February release date because they we we talked about that too but they must have found something they found something very quickly right right after they made the official announcement because you don't make that announcement you don't put all the marketing into play and then oops we just delayed it six months so some or four months so something came up but through that four month delay with all the stuff going on in the world it didn't get delayed any further they were all able to work remote they were all able to get their work done so so i definitely agree with you there like i am surprised that a lot of employees got furloughed I, i mean it sounds to me more like i mean like that was going to be the seasonal layoff anyway because like when a game ramp like finishes production there's usually a lot of contract work that's laid off and like or that contracts end and like at the end of a project you typically like you ramp up production to the last year and then you like let them let it off and you 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 back off basically um i'm with you 100 percent that Reddit thread sounds very, very similar to basically just copy and pasting the gearbox story where all the upper people got their bonuses. The other workers didn't. 
Um, and, and then the whole thing about how their pay structure is, you know, they, they get paid less. I mean, I don't know. I didn't look it up, but I doubt that Naughty Dog's paying less than industry standard. I, I just don't see. I mean, I guess it's possible. I, I don't know, but I, I'd have a real hard time thinking that. Uh, I mean, a Sony studio that is, or Sony's giving infinite resources to the studio to make a game. They're not skimping on payroll, you know? Right. They're, they're top tier developer that basically sets the standard for other Sony studios. They're going to pay like garbage. No. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, you would have so much turnover and, and there was that, that one disgruntled, uh, like animation. I think I was reading something about this, uh, like a month or so ago, he came out during the crunch story and he was one of the people complaining about the crunch and how not only was there crunch, but that they were replacing like senior staff with these cheaper people. And that it was taking them longer to make the game good because they weren't as experienced or whatever, you know? So, but again, getting somebody who's a year five person instead of a year 20, yes, that person's going to make less, but that doesn't mean that they're not making the right wage for the experience in the job. Right. So I guess ultimately I I'm, I I'm glad it's got a release date. That's kind of soon. I had something potentially spoiled for me. I was telling you that off the podcast. Uh, well, I was saying it on the podcast earlier, not in this segment, but I was talking about how, and I won't say it here, but I was saying how I was reading some f- message, uh, or some Twitter, f- um, uh, conversation back and forth about Xbox versus PS4 and the people were going back and forth making fun of each other and then someone left a comment <laughs> saying hey Sony fans and then boom it was a spoiler and I, so I wasn't expecting that like in a thread that had nothing to do with that game you know I wasn't yeah. expecting that at all and so obviously be very careful out there to try to avoid spoilers we have to wait almost two months for the game still I'm hoping somehow my brain just forgets about it from now until then, like I stopped thinking about it, I should probably stop talking about it. Maybe I'll forget about it. Um, now, but one thing about the the bonus, so the they they claim the bonus takes six months to pay out. Now that if you think about it, it makes sense because yeah, the game comes out. Let's say it comes out tomorrow, and um, they sell a million copies or whatever. They still have to earn the amount of money and then have a cutoff point where they they determine all right this is this is the bonus right date cutoff date and then cut those checks like if they did it day one it's like they're probably getting a fraction of a cent of every 60 dollar game purchase like it wouldn't make sense to cut a bonus day one because they wouldn't know what the bonus might be just be just like they're they're not gonna they would be cutting a speculative check um and like the that that thread was basically saying that they were asking for a cash advance and right it's like that that doesn't seem like the type of career where you would be in such dire straits that you'd need a cash advance and I know that we're going through like a crazy time right now but still game developers probably make like hundred to hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year like yeah it shouldn't be in that dire strait well and 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 i'll be the first to say if if they thought the game was come out in february i could understand people being excited for a bonus coming in august and then the game gets delayed to the end of may so you're like okay well my bonus will still be here for christmas and then it gets delayed indefinitely and now you're like okay well i was expecting a bonus in in august 
then maybe at Christmas, now we're talking maybe summer of 2021. So like that does make sense to me, if, especially if you work your ass off. Sometimes the motivation for working so hard is that the light at the end of the tunnel. And so I yeah. get it. Now, I personally don't do that. I don't motivate myself that way because you set yourself up for massive disappointment, <laughs> like which is obviously what happened in the Borderlands 3 bonus situation. And what happened here, if this is the actual story, we don't know if it's bonuses, but that seems to be it. Um, but just based on what we've been reading. So I totally get that. But I also am with you where I just, I've never ever planned and I don't work in that industry and I don't work in an industry where you work for three years waiting for a huge bonus. Like we talked about in our other jobs, we've worked jobs where you get a bonus every year. You know, just like your tax returns, like I don't look at my tax returns and say, I can't wait for my tax returns this year. I'm going to go out and spend a whole bunch of money when I get it. And then you get it and you're like, oh, it's way less than I thought it would be. Oh, I can't buy what I want now. You set yourself up for disappointment. You know, I just think something similar like that with a bonus, I never, ever anticipated my bonus coming. I said, if I get yeah. a bonus, cool. And it's extra different industry though. And, and it's different. I think when you wait three or four years to get a bonus and then that bonus is going to be like four years worth of our bonuses put together. So imagine working at GameStop for four years, waiting for a bonus, and then they keep pushing it back six months to a year, and you're like, I want my bonus. So I could, I totally get it. I totally understand the urgency there. <laughs> um, there's So there's two, two things I want to talk about, and then we'll be done with this story. But the last one is, it wasn't really a spoiler, but what's been, what, what have been making the rounds when people talk about the story that was leaked is that it's not good. That's that it's not that the game isn't good, that the game's story is not good. Okay. Which I find almost impossible to believe. Now I'm, I'm a firm believer as I just stated have checked expectations, manage your expectations, please. You know, if you go in expecting something to be the greatest thing in the world and it's only pretty good, you're going to be disappointed because it wasn't as good as you thought, but you hyped it there. You hyped it into the stratosphere. So if people are expecting Naughty Dog 2 or <laughs> Naughty Dog 2, Last of Us 2 <laughs> to be the greatest game they've ever played, I'm sure they will be disappointed. Like who knows what their expectations mm-hmm. were. Now to be fair, there were expectations that were set by I would argue Last of Us has one of my favorite stories in gaming. I really resonated with that story. I love the ending of that. I liked it a lot. So I I'm excited to play Last of Us 2, but I don't have these ridiculous expectations for it. You know, and, and that way I can't be disappointed by it. But that is one of the things floating around about the story is it straight up people are reading it and going, wow, this is just not good. Now, can you get a not good story just from watching some cut scenes and seeing dev menus that tell you the order and stuff of levels? Mm, probably not. But that was the first thing I wanted, I, I wanted to add on and say it was weird. And the second thing was that, and, and this was not related to Naughty Dog, but a, a few weeks ago, I was on Twitter as I often am and someone had made up someone not important. It doesn't matter, but it got, it had like 300,000 likes and like 50 or 60,000 retweets. And it was something along the lines of, uh, something along the lines of, I hope one of the things that goes away or changes due to this quarantine is the thought of having to act quote unquote professional. And so I read that and I, I'm try, I was trying to understand it because and every comment underneath it was, yeah, 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 you know? And all I could think to myself yeah, what does was, that mean? well, here's what it means to me. So professional to me is acting how you're supposed to act in your work environment. 
in what's appropriate for the work environment that you that you're in. That that's how I okay. that's how I kind of label professional, right? Like I used to say at at GameStop when I worked there, I used to tell people I don't consider myself mature, but I do consider myself a professional. I like to have fun. I like I like to joke around. Um, I make stupid jokes. I make make really like stupid comments. But I, when it comes to work, I'm a professional and we will act accordingly while we're on the clock, while we're doing our job. And I just thought that was really weird. And the reason I bring it up when it comes to this story is I couldn't help but think, obviously this person, there seems to be like that lack of, of a professionalism. Now I understand if this person went in there to get a, 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 a bonus, you know, maybe, I don't know why they needed a, a, like a what I want to say, like a, a loan against their bonus or whatever, like, like a, I don't know why they needed that. And I, it doesn't, they were going to install a Griswold family uh, pool. <laughs> Maybe. Now I, yep, I they had a swimming pool. It was going to be great. <laughs> and, and so I don't, I don't know. And I'm not going to say that whatever reason they had wasn't worth it. I'm not going to say that because we all have things we want and things we save up for and whatever. So I'm not going to say that, but I, I can't see how this was the only way that that person, again, if true, that that person thought this was the professional way to handle it. And I actually like the word professional and I will stick by that anytime professional to me, like, like the rules I've set in my store, I expect my employees to act professional. Does that mean that we're all sticks in the mud and don't like to have fun? Absolutely not. But we have a standard of, of, policies that we've enacted at the store for the betterment of the store and ours as staff. And that's what professional means to me. And I don't know, I, I just look at this and I feel like it's so, if this was leaked by someone who worked there, who was upset about a pay dispute, it's so unprofessional. And like you said, right away in the beginning, it's going to hurt this person's career forever. Like, yeah. how, how does this not carry with you forever? Now, could you go to an Xbox studio and maybe someone there would be like, oh, yeah, we heard Naughty Dog's crunch is really bad. You know, although it's not like Xbox Studio, Microsoft Studios and Sony Studios have like a like a, a war going on, like the, the console war fanboys like to pretend. But could you find someone who hates Naughty Dog and would hire you on? Possibly. But did you just kill 75 percent of your possible places of employment in the future? I mean, that just sounds not only is it kind of not smart. But man, it just, and I mean, what, not only was it not professional, it was not smart for your own future. You know, no, I don't, that's, 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 that's what I keep, man, I can't shake that. Well, even if somebody, even if somebody hated Naughty Dog and worked at Naughty Dog and was like, yeah, that company sucks. They still pro like as a manager, you still be like, you just trashed seven years worth of hundreds of people's work in order to get your way. So you've, you've massively inconvenienced hundreds of your fellow employees and possibly ruined thing, ruined the product for millions and millions of fans. That is the most unprofessional thing you could do in the video game industry. Like you're, I really think that that person cannot or won't be able to get a job elsewhere short of making their own company. And because who would, who would hire them? Yeah, I, I'd have a hard time believing that, you know, and it's different when, you know, you hear some of these leaks, you hear some of these issues with like, with, you know, QA people, because they could get hired for one of the QA firms that gets hired out by these companies. Like, 
there's other ways around it. This is someone, I mean, if you're getting a bonus at one of these companies, you're typically, well, I shouldn't say that, I guess, but not, I don't think every position at Naughty Dog gets a bonus like this, or that would get a big bonus that would matter, right? I don't think everybody would. So you have to consider yourself to be a part of the industry. Like you're not a, you're probably not a contract worker or you're probably not a QA person, or you're probably not, you know, in the front office, you're not in accounting, you know what I mean? Like you're not even, maybe you're in marketing, but like, I guess whatever department they were in, they're, they're in creative. And what happens if one of the people you bone is, is hiring for a job and you go in, they're like, Oh, it's you. And like, yeah. And like, we don't want to hire you. <laughs> like, I just, I just don't see how this works out well. Um, unless the, the martyr story is true and somehow it's, you know, it's revealed that everyone at Naughty Dog stood up and clapped as this person was walked out to their car by security. That might be different, but Short I, I don't... of Naughty Dog offices looking like the, the hold on the Amistad, uh, <laughs> I don't really think that that's going to be the case. I I think that this person's probably not the the martyr that that Reddit thread makes it out to be. Yeah, I I don't think so either. And and you made a good point that it just seemed a little too similar to the Gearbox story. Like it was it was like like frame for frame by it. And I'm gonna read more into it, and maybe we'll have an update in the upcoming weeks. But uh, that's kind of as it is now. So be careful out there if you are waiting to play Last of Us Two. Don't go anywhere near the comment sections. Block it on twi- Block the phrase on Twitter. Mute the phrase. Save yourself the nightmare you, and headache. How do you mute phrases on Twitter? You know, I actually don't know how to do that. I just hear people doing I, it that they've muted yeah, specific I was words. Say I've yeah. heard people say that. Yeah, I got, but I got to do that too because I know I'm going to be just flipping through and I'm going to see something. You know, it, it's hard when you're trying to dig into a story like this to learn more details. Like I literally did a Google search and it was Last of Us Part Two leak leaked story no spoilers <laughs> or something or and then it, it, i was able to find something that refused to do spoilers but even then you can't go to the comments section because the comments are gonna you know somebody in there is gonna blow it up um we had uh the day that endgame came out avengers endgame so i saw it thursday night at like 9 p.m friday morning i was working with dave in the morning we get a phone call at 9 30 and Dave picks it up and goes, uh, you know, thank you for calling. How can I help you? And he goes, yeah, I'm looking for a certain PS2 game. He goes, oh, okay, what game? And then he just goes, spoiler. He says the spoiler <laughs> to end game, like, on the phone. So Dave just hangs up immediately on him. But you're like, there's just some people's life. Like, they just, th- th- this is funny to them. And it was funny that that guy ruined it. And I wish I had answered the phone because I had seen it. But, of course, it was Dave who hadn't seen it. He was going to see it, like, the next night. Yeah, it's just crazy to me but some people are just kind of wired that way so you got to watch out for spoilers so be careful out there but you know hopefully we'll have an update on the story because i don't we don't even necessarily know it's confirmed except that jason schreier seems to believe it's true and as much as i don't agree with his opinion all the time at least i believe he wouldn't go and say something like this if he didn't have some sort of data to to back it up So next up on the podcast today, oh, I got to reset it because I, uh, look at this, I already, I already screwed up, John. It doesn't take long for me. Screw up. So I'm closing out the tabs so that I can get on the right tab for the conversation we're about to have. And then I forgot we had a couple more Last of Us tabs open. So, all right, so I'm going to reset, which I think is just a consistent thing. I think I should just, I mean, our listeners, our podcast listeners are very understanding of this. I do it all the time. Yeah, our, 
I was going to say, are the podcast listeners hearing all this crap? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't cut anything out. I'm too lazy. Nice. I just leave it all in there. Except your Amistad comment. I might have to take that out. I'm not sure. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I don't know. I have, to, I have to watch the movie, and then I'll make a decision. <laughs> it's, it, Amistad was a slave ship. Yes. So it's, it would be slave shackled in, into the hold of the ship. You know how I know that? Um, one of the previews in the in scary movie when they go to the theater one of the previews uh is for amistad 2 and as a joke movie obviously doesn't <laughs> exist but, uh anyway all right so now we're gonna get ready to go okay you ready are you done messing yep. around john can we begin the podcast now you can't edit Just out kidding. my amistad comment there's nothing horrible about i'm that. not going to <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You're just, you're just gonna put in a long beep. Yeah. Like I just did a long string of cusses. If uh, <laughs> if 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 anybody comes after you, I'm just gonna let you go from the podcast. You know, it's bus- right. you know, it's just business. Don't worry about. And right, here- sue me for the degradation <laughs> of the brand. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So next up on the podcast today, John, like we were talking about, we're gonna be talking about the Xbox Series X. And how recently Phil Spencer talked about a feature that he claims will dramatically change the feel of games as much as from 2D to 3D, which I think is a very bold claim, but let's get into it. Phil Spencer has talked up an Xbox Series X feature that he believes will quote-unquote dramatically change the feel of games to the point of difference between 2D and 3D gaming, and that's called Dynamic Latency Input. It's worth noting what Spencer is talking about here is the feeling of playing games on Series X, not the quality of the games themselves, which is kind of weird that they specified that. But um, but what exactly is DLI? Well, according to an Xbox blog post all about latency from last month, dynamic latency input is a new system within the Xbox Series X which, quote, synchronizes input immediately with what is displayed, end quote, making controls more precise and responsive. On a more technical level, the controller will transmit input to the console just before the game asks for it, which will keep the player's analog, triggers and sticks, and digital button inputs in sync with the game they're playing. This is said to significantly lower controller latency, and all without harming the battery life of the input device. Latency in terms of a controller is the time it takes for data to transfer to the console from your input device to be represented on screen, You may have heard of input lag, which is where your button or trigger presses feel out of sync with the gameplay you're observing. This is due to latency issues. Um, So that's pretty much all I'm going to read from the article. But there's a couple things I want to ask you. So this reminds me of when Google Stadia has that feature where it's going to reduce input lag by anticipating the button presses that the player is going to do. Yes. Right? I remember this. This is what I was thinking of as well when uh, when you sent me that article. So that's the first thing, which now what it looks like here is that if a game's waiting for an input, the Xbox is going to have it queued up so that if you push that button, it's instant. But can I be honest? Is it not damn near instant now? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty close. And yes, if you have your TV on like, you know, certain if it's not in game mode, there's there's like input lag from the tv from the signal it's receiving from the system right so when you're seeing it you're actually seeing it after the you know you're seeing things late but i guess that would be my first question to you is do you think that's a problem that need fixing 
were, were we really running into terrible latency with controllers? The only guys that I hear talk about ex- like extreme latency in controllers and like using wired controllers versus wireless are generally like the pro fighting game scene guys. Yes. When they're talking about like frame data counting and whatnot. Um, or like first person shooter players. But then that also like when you're playing online competitively, your internet connection matters just as much, if not way more than what your controller latency matters. Yeah, absolutely. So the internet, if you're playing online, that's way more important first and foremost, but you are right. And a lot of fighting game players will like uh will use wired controllers instead uh wire like but on the same and, and i guess it depends on the game but as as a tournament level tekken player i could use a wireless dual shock and be just fine you know and i'm not winning evo or anything anytime soon but i play on a competitive level in that game and i am totally fine with that um there's a reason though why they still sell wired gamecube controllers for smash brothers and no matter what device you have, Smash Brother Pros want to play with a GameCube controller. And they don't yep. want to play wireless, and they don't want to play with Joy-Cons, and they don't want to play with the Pro controller. They want to play with the GameCube controller. Have whether you... it's for feeling, you know, or whether it's... Go off on a... Yeah, no, go ahead. I was, I was going to go off on a tangent for a second, but have you ever heard of the uh, the guys that go through tons of GameCube controllers looking for the ones that are broken in a very specific way? You know, I, I, I don't, but that reminds me of a story I heard that there was something about certain controllers because there were mods people were doing to controllers and they were banned from tournaments a couple, like a year or two ago, I think. Yeah, there there are some pros that will basically go through hundreds of used GameCube controllers because they're looking for the controller that like the button inputs function in such a way that it doesn't in a brand new working perfect controller. Interesting. And so they... They want a perfect broken controller, and so when they when they find it, they it's like gold. So that's really I, funny. I mean, I've it, had people like ask about it when we still had GameCube controllers on, uh, like at GameStop back in the day. Interesting. I mean, that I definitely can understand that, and and it might also be part of the whole broken in thing too, because I I have like I I have I someone traded in a brand new PS2 controller to the store a couple years ago. And so I bought it and I was like, I want to use this. So I actually opened it to use it. I'm like, I want a brand new PS2 controller because those things are kind of hard <laughs> to find now and they're hard to find in good shape. And yep. it it sucks ass using a, a brand new controller. <laughs> like the, the D-pad <laughs> is so stiff and the buttons are so stiff. And and when I when I played in my last Tekken tournament, I took I took a brand new controller for like PS4 and it was a terrible mistake. Um, it wasn't yeah. broken in. Like I, I, I felt like I wasn't like my moves were stiff and I wasn't flowing like I was used to. And it's not the, it's not the controller's fault. It's my fault, but I was expecting a different feel. So there's definitely something to be said for broken in, you know, GameCube controller. I could see it, but so getting back, uh, to it, I guess that's, that was my first question was, is this a problem? Like, do, do you, do you feel like like controller latency was a problem that we need? Cause according to the article, where was it here? According to the article, uh, let's get down a little bit further. Spencer has been quote 
very focused, end quote, on DLI during the development of the forthcoming console and believes that it's part of an important shift in how games will feel in the next generation, which he likened to the jump from 2D to 3D. Spencer believes that DLI will complement other new features like CPU upgrades, extra memory bandwidths, and the introduction of SSDs to truly change the way that games feel. I don't, I don't see that. I, I, I don't, and, and I would, I'd be saying the same thing if this was something Sony was bragging about. Like, I don't, I don't see how having a millisecond less of controller input is going to change how we play games. How do you feel about the claim of how it's going to feel like the feeling you had jumping from 2D to 3D in video games? <laughs> Uh, I think this is a silly claim, and I kind of feel like the reason that Phil centered on this is that they probably were like, all right, what do we have that Sony doesn't have and they haven't talked about already? Because if they went on a, like, a long 30-minute explanation of the SSD, they then everybody would be like, yeah, we already got that talk from that boring uh, Dana Carvey guy. We don't need this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think this is an example of them being like, "Ah, this is a thing we have that they don't." Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, how do you feel about the comment from the jump from 2D to 3D? I, I, it's silly. That's a that's a dumb claim. I think they made the same type of claim um back on the xbox one when they uh when they added the the extra rumble into the triggers i believe they made similar like bold claims not necessarily like 2d to 3d jump but just they made a lofty claim about how it was going to change a lot of things and in reality it didn't change much at all so i think it's silly i and i'm a big xbox guy um but yeah a lot of this a lot of the pre-launch conversation is just silly and yeah i'm excited for the console to get here i like that it has power or that it's going to be powerful i'm excited for the playstation 5 and it and what it's going to offer but i want to know more about games and phil actually said uh that the next time that they have they have a talk about xbox uh series x it's going to be about games and that it's going to come pretty soon. So I'm, I'm more interested in what, nice. what he's going to say next. Which is interesting because the official PlayStation magazine, I think its next issue is going to be focused on PS5 games. Like that's what the magazine's focus is, which means I have to believe that Sony's going to announce that stuff digitally first, then it'll show up in the yeah. magazine. So it should be in the next month, we should be getting a lot of info. So, so here's the issue I have with it. I would argue that the jump from 2D gaming to 3d gaming was the largest jump we experienced in video game history (laughs) so (laughs) i have a really hard time i mean i mean biggest jump maybe not but like when i think of like video games right and i've been playing since the 80s when i think of video games i feel like they were all kind of the same right just with a little bit better graphics and then the shift to 3d also ushered in the shift to analog controls and 3d generated worlds so that was like a fundamental shift like to me that felt like a real turning of a corner and i haven't felt like we've turned any corners until i played vr for the first time like when i when i played the oculus quest that's where i finally feel like this is another turn in how we play games except the whole industry is not going to vr 
So it's more like it's a branch off the side than it is the whole industry turning. But what really stuck out with me, like the jump from 2D to 3D, anyone who's been in the industry and talked about the industry and hell played video games during that era would tell you what the feelings were when you first played a 3D game. It blew you away. Like the, when I, I think the first game I ever saw with 3D graphics in it was theme park for the 3do and that was like 94 i think and i remember seeing that and like the cg of like people going on the on the on the roller coaster ride and i was just like i mean i was amazed john it was something i just couldn't fathom how cool it was and now this is somebody who like i didn't have a pc yet at that point and obviously they were doing that stuff on pc before so i'm not trying to argue that like this is a console thing pc thing like pc guys don't come at me like i understand it was there but for a console (laughs) gamer it was like it was it was magical dude for lack of a better term it was magical when you went from 2d to 3d and so to to say something that is a feature of something that we don't even need now is it possible that this is part of helping with streaming so xCloud's going to really need something to help with controller latency. That makes sense to me, right? But they're acting like it's the greatest thing to do with Xbox Series X as a console, not xCloud as a streaming service. It it might have to do with them like trying to appease the program gamer crowd too cuz that's probably sure. something that they're asking for. No, that could be and 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 to be fair, it could be something along the lines of them trying to win back the fighting game community because Sony locked up the, like the, you know, it, well, Street Fighter five is an exclusive, but Street Fighter five, all Tekken tournaments are played on PS five, on PS fours, you know, like all these fighting games that can be played on either console are played on PS four. So it is possible that that's their way to try to attack another market. Would totally possible. Um, but it just seemed to me like I read this and I thought, one, I think it's not even a feature that's that big of a deal. And then to make a bold claim that acts like it's the biggest jump. I mean, it's that just it just baffled me that he talked about it. And I and I, I want the Series X to be good. I want xCloud to be interesting and fun. Like, I want to be a part of that. But um, the last question I want to ask you, though, do you think that representatives from Microsoft and Sony have to say these kind of things because the fans have become so like because the fans are so at war and they're using such hyperbole do do the the media the the talking heads do the the studio execs do they need to talk like this because it's the only way that like their audience the the quote-unquote gamers will understand um i think they're they're both both companies are trying to keep the carrot on the stick in front of the, the gamers to keep, keep people interested and to, to keep letting them know that the consoles are still coming out. And, and honestly, I, I want this type of information. I want, I want more information about next gen than less. So, so I don't mind it, even though I do find a lot of it to be pretty silly. Um, And that's why I really hope that, that we just start seeing games. Um, and I, but I'm weird. Like you, you mentioned earlier uh, that like not to let 
not to get overhyped on something because if if you do then you you end up killing it for yourself um i actually don't watch a lot of um game trailers and stuff like once i know a game exists i pretty much ignore it uh until it's out because i used to do that i used to overhype a game in my brain and then it would come out and be like oh this game isn't as much <laughs> or as exciting and awesome as i expected it to be and it was like that that was just my head being dumb um yeah you're like i, so, I set the ridiculous standard it's my fault it didn't live up to my own standards right <laughs> so i just i just want phil spencer to come out like a week from now and announce the new Batman game and let me let me wait until November or October when it's out. Um, just do that nice. now. Please. It's easy. Um, since we're on the subject, what do you think will be? Well, do you think there'll be any good launch titles for PS5 or for Xbox One? Or excuse me, Xbox um, Series X. I think. I think Volition is working on a saints row game well i know that they're they're definitely working on a saints row game and they have been very chatty on twitter in the last couple weeks um they're not showing the game but they keep showing all of their employees working at home like every single day they have like pictures of like two or three of their employees and so it really makes me seem like or think that they're kind of ramping up to show something um hmm. so i i would love a new saints row um and i would definitely play the crap out of that so i'm i'm hoping I'm, that we get a saints row as launch i'm ready for a new saints row i'd play another one yep. i i do i don't know where you go after part four <laughs> i think you reboot it totally yeah. i I, yeah. I think you scrub what you have and don't go to space next time. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go to the Matrix and space all in one game. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy that you could run around as a toilet holding dual Uzis. Yeah, I mean the game was uh, fun. The, game. the game was fun, and my brother and I play them all co-op from Saints Row Two and Three. I don't know if we played Four together though. I don't think so. But like they're great co-op games, you know, because Grand Theft yeah. Auto won't let you just play co-op. You know, I mean, I don't. It's obviously not that hard, but. Grand Theft Auto won't let you do it, so you got to find it somewhere else. And um, yeah, I I enjoyed Saints Row Four. It was just they went to a place where it's like, all right, what the hell do you do next? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right. Well, that's it for the stories today, John. So next up, we have a listener question this week. Let me bring it up here on the old twitters. The old twitters. It's actually a really good one too. I like this question a lot. Um, so, and this is to both of us, John, I'll let you start. Where do you guys think Square announcing that Final Fantasy VII wouldn't be on the N64 and instead would be a Sony PlayStation exclusive ranks among the most important moments in gaming history? It certainly added credibility to the PlayStation and gave it a blockbuster title that opened the floodgates. So really the question is, where do you think in important moments in gaming history it stands that squaresoft essentially made the jump from nintendo to sony when they released final fantasy 7 i think uh i think it's a really good thing that they did because a big reason they did it was the size and scope of the game wouldn't be compatible with the amount of space that was available on nintendo 64 cartridges um, there, I remember 
back in the day um in like official playstation magazine or whatever whatever um the ads that that were like directly taking jabs at at nintendo saying that this game would be on like 500 uh, n64 cartridges or something like that so and that they would never be able to fit it on there since you brought that up final fantasy 7 is 1500 megabytes okay an n64 cartridge capacity 64 megabytes so it took three discs for final fantasy 7 as we know so that would have been 20 roughly 25 cartridges to fit final fantasy 7 on an N64 cartridge. Not saying they couldn't have done high capacity cartridges. They they could have done more probably. And to be fair, if you put that game on the N64, it would not have had CD quality sound. It would have had totally different, you know, terribly compressed music files. Like it wouldn't have been that big on the 64 if he had made it for it. Um, I think it is up there uh, in, in some of the, I think it's up there in one of the biggest stories of say like console wars, you know, like it was a big news and, and it wasn't just Sony. Like um, they were also looking at bringing it to PC, which they eventually did and considering yep. it for the Sega Saturn. Like it, it was in that was part of the conversation. Um, they did get uh, they did get it up and running on this, uh, a demo for the 64 but it had to use the 64 DD, which ended up hmm. not even coming out here in the States. And when it was all said and done, let me see. I, I read it here somewhere. I just want to make sure I got this right. Cause I had read this before and I wanted to make sure that my facts were right. It would have, it would have required 30 64 DD discs to run it properly with the data compression methods of the day. Weird. So it obviously now- just wasn't practical for what, for what they wanted to do. Cause Squaresoft wanted to make a 3d game they they wanted to transition out of the 2d sprites into 3d like that was something internally squaresoft had been back and forth on like do we stick with yeah. 2d which they stuck with 2d on certain things like they did final fantasy tactics in 2d and they did like there's other, they did other yeah they did other 2d stuff but for whatever reason for final fantasy it was seven needs to be 3d and so obviously it it just wouldn't have worked on the 64 um, but I think it's pretty big because it, it, it not only it, so I think it's got long reaching ramifications. One of those ramifications being that square soft turned into a powerhouse and that they changed the landscape for Japanese RPGs, because if square yeah. doesn't do that deal and they don't say they make a final fantasy game for the N64, let's, I'm just going to be honest here. Okay. I like the 64. I don't think it's that great, great of a piece of hardware. I think it's fun for multiplayer. I think with very few exceptions, it's single player offerings are very lacking. Obviously we're talking Mario 64 is great. Zelda's are great. (laughs) Yes. Glover, Uniracers. No, that's super Nintendo. Um, but I think that if they had made a Final Fantasy game for N64, it would have been completely crippled. It would have been a shell of any other Final Fantasy game you'd had before. I don't think it would have been very good. So that might have... that. I mean, that would have had huge ramifications for where Squaresoft became as a company. And what if what if Enix 
Okay, stick with me on this one. Now, what if Enix had made games for PS1, sold a ton of great RPGs, did really good, Square flops a little bit with going on the N64. They're struggling for cash because they're not making the, the generation. Arguably, while the Super Nintendo generation set them up for success, the PlayStation 1 hammered home that Square yeah. Squaresoft is the king of publishing Japanese RPGs. Imagine if Enix is the king and it becomes Enix Soft, <laughs> you know, or Enix Square or something. It might have been a totally different story. Now, those companies merged. But it could have been a different power dynamic. Maybe if Square isn't doing so well, Enix buys them out. And then maybe we get a whole bunch of trash RPGs after that. I mean, who nah, knows? But we could have, maybe we could have got a second robot alchemic drive. Oh, see, now that would have oh, been cool. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, and, and to be fair, Square Enix is doing fine with the Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest games. But Enix had some absolute bangers. I mean, Dragon Quest in Japan was bigger than final fantasy was it was like final fantasy was here in the states because we didn't get the later dragon quest games here we got dragon warrior one through four but we didn't get any of the super nintendo ones here in an era where there were so many good super nintendo rpgs why the hell did those games not come out over here it's crazy Enix was releasing super nintendo games in the u.s they're releasing tons wasn't it like evo was one of them Evo's one. I mean, they did. Uh, well, and, and that's the one they didn't do either. They didn't do Star Ocean here either. Like their yeah. their best RPGs that Enix was doing, they didn't bring to the states. Arguably, I mean, they did like. I'm trying to think of some was, in my head right now. They had like that Robo Trek, and they had. Uh, I mean, they had some, but they were like obscure Star Ocean ones. Was still Square, wasn't it? Uh, nope. Star Ocean is an Enix game. Oh yeah, no. yep. yeah, it is. Holy crap. Yep. Uh, yeah, because I think the first one we got was on Super Nintendo, wasn't it? Or no, uh, PlayStation One. PS One, and it's uh, Star Ocean's yeah. second story, and it's great. I mean, the game is fantastic. And then on PSP, we got First Departure and Second Story. So on PSP, you can get them both. But it's like, I and and the Super Nintendo version is really good, man. I mean, it's it's like one of those games that you would make have a repro cart made because it's it's just fun, just good RPG. I totally forgot those were uh, Enix titles. Yeah. Um, as, as far as like, uh, I, I wanted to mention this when we were talking about like the uh, Phil Spencer puffery. Um, in my opinion, one of the biggest ge- uh, generational changes in gaming was Grand Theft Auto Three, because prior to Grand Theft Auto Three, you you in a game like an action game like Grand Theft Auto, you couldn't go wherever you wanted. You levels were linear. And so to play GTA 3 and be like, I can go wherever I want, do whatever I want, blow up anything, this is insane. Um, and so, like, I still remember looking at screenshots of GTA 3 in, like, um, GamePro or uh, uh, Game Informer back before it came out, just being like, oh, my God, I cannot wait for this game. Yeah. So I, I think that, to me, was a bigger, was, like, the big jump over even 3d like because 3d you were still getting linear linear games on the console versus pc yeah it's so it's funny you said that i i will agree with you 100 percent on that uh grand auto 3 was unbelievable now technically driver 2 on the ps1 had all more <laughs> but uh i agree grand Theft auto 3 was very um very much a game changer and you want to hear a really funny story about that uh, I was working at Software Etc. at the time when that launched. And do you know how many, pre- guess how many pre-orders we had for Grand Theft Auto 3 when it came out? Uh, not many. 
seven. Damn. <laughs> and I was one of them. <laughs> seven. And guess how many pre-orders we had for it? Now, remember, this was at the time, so it's not like GameStop crazy numbers like Call of Duty, Black Ops, and Madden. <clears throat> but now imagine Vice City, how many pre-orders we had for Vice City. I would say probably 150. Dude, that's right on the money. I mean, it was around there. I was gonna, it was 150. I mean, I don't know if it was okay. exactly 150, but it was somewhere in like the 150 to 200 range. But that was like 150, dude. That was exactly it. So we went from a game that had seven pre-orders to 150. And what was Vice City? Was that two years later? Yeah, sound about I think right. So. You know, they don't do their See, eight-year releases now. <laughs> I was one of those pre-orders for Vice City, uh, and I think I was for GTA Three as well um at my respective store and uh i was living down in milwaukee at the time and and mr ed brown uh that was running the milwaukee sure. store who later I hired me, uh he snuck me gta san and or gta vice city uh like hours early and broke street date on it <laughs> that's amazing uh, now he's gonna get fired no no now they're gonna go back <laughs> in time and fire him but yeah, so that's a great question, Joe. Thank you very much for that. Uh, that was a great question, though, asking about Final Fantasy VII. And th- in general, the jump, that was a huge jump for Square. They, ab- I mean, they literally abandoned Nintendo. I mean, they didn't make yeah, anything for the 64. For a long time. There's nothing for the 64. They, they skipped the whole generation. And at the t- I mean, I mean, they, and they only made games for Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, they, they made, they didn't make any Sega Genesis games. Um, they made NES games. They didn't make any master system they didn't make they made super nintendo they didn't make any sega genesis and they switched to playstation they don't make any n64 crazy now really quick now um that claim that it would never fit on an n64 cartridge capcom ended up shoving resident evil 2 on an n64 cartridge true and that game had a similar style in that it was 3d characters on 2d rendered backgrounds Yes, so, that's a great that's a great point, and I think part of that would be what I mentioned with the sound compression. So you'd have much less audio quality, so that kills a lot of yep. the size. But you're right. I mean that uh, that that's a fair example, and it showed that. I mean, obviously, too, like later in the N64's life, they were going to get higher capacity cartridges. You know, like I mean, that was just that's just something that comes as technology gets cheaper. You can, you know, make a make more for the same. You know. Well, and I think you you learn techniques to to make the game or make the game better, and also like compression techniques and stuff. So I think Capcom probably just applied knowledge that other other developers had discovered while trying to get the games running on N sixty four. Yeah, and I'm looking up right now that that's a good point. I want to I want to see that. Like, I want to I want to see a little bit about uh, that Resident Evil two. Resident Evil 2 for the N64 was a technical achievement that could not be done by average programmers, but there were also key differences uh-huh. in, develop- in developing N64 and PlayStation that usually made decode less bulky. Um, although reaching similar or better results on the N64, keep in mind that Super Mario 64 and all those levels, songs, enemies, and all, they all fit on an 8 megabyte cartridge. Gex Damn. 3 Deep Cover Gecko was released on both systems, and although fit on a nearly full CD-ROM for the PlayStation version, it took only a 32-meg cart on the N64. Um, for the N64 version of Resident Evil 2, they used all they could to fit the entire game in a 64-megabyte cart. 
the largest available for the N64. They cleaned the code the most they could, avoided redundant routines that would only enlarge the code. Also, most of the game is repeated across the two-disc PlayStation version. <laughs> that's that's freaking. I mean, that that is impressive. Um, but yeah. Let's see. And it looks like uh, I was trying to see if there was something else about uh, the textures are reduced and the compression applied to audio and pre-rendered movies has been increased. So the okay. So the the video and the audio sucks worse, but still yeah. still impressive though. Still impressive. So John, what? Uh, now moving on to our games of the week. What is your game of the week this week? All right, I'm going to hold it up just for you since nobody else can see this. Let me get your uh, face my game back of the week you. is Tower oh, of Guns. I hate that game. Uh, for <laughs> Xbox One and PS4. Um, I'm crazy and I have completed it on Xbox One twice and PlayStation 4 twice as well as PS3. Um, and I just enjoy it because uh, it's a roguelike shooter that kind of feels like a quake uh quake one quake two era um and the disc version which is an import has different guns than are available in the download version and uh one of the guns is like a machine gun that if you if you jump and point it at the ground it fires so fast and has such recoil that you can use it to fly around the game uh (laughs) and it's unlimited (laughs) ammo so you're able to find all these awesome hidden nooks and crannies in the game. And uh, so I enjoyed it. I've played that game a lot. Um, It got a sequel with with better graphics called Mother Gunship on Xbox One and PS4. I'm not as good at Mother Gunship as I am at Tower of Guns. And so I'm trying to get better at it. I do enjoy the game. I also like that you can tweet the, the main creator of the game and he's very active on Twitter, and so like nice. I really like that I can reach out to that developer. And I asked him for tips a couple of weeks ago, and he gave me some. That's awesome. So, what is your game of the week? Oh boy! So, sticking with the PS One theme still, but this this is a it's it's a top one for me. This is an absolute banger. Twisted Metal Two for the PS One. Okay. Um, now this would be this would fit within your category of the best one in the series. <laughs> So it's not like it's yep. Twisted Metal 1 or Twisted Metal 3 or 4, small brawl, but Twisted Metal 2. So Twisted Metal 2 was the last Twisted Metal game made by single track um, until they took it to 989 Studios for 3 and 4. And then I they brought, it, they brought it back and it was made by Incog for Black, which was basically, I think, the old crew of like Jaffe and all the guys that worked at... Yeah. Single track. So basically, Twisted Metal 1, 2, Black, and Twisted Metal PS3 are the good Twisted Metals. Those are the ones that were all made essentially by the people that kind of started it and created it. Twisted Metal 2, though. Um, so when I we were just talking earlier in the podcast about like the, the jump to 3D. Um, one of the first PS1 games I played, so not the first 3D games because I was on the 3DO, but one of the first PS1 games I played was Twisted Metal 1. And when I was driving around a city in 3D, it blew my freaking mind, man. I, I just couldn't <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know, going from playing Fantasy Star 4, you know, all these great 2D games, Super Metroid playing, um, you know, uh, 
Shadowrun on the Genesis and Sonic and like playing all these great games and then going to like Twisted Metal. I just, I was like, oh my God, this is just magical. So Twisted Metal 2 takes everything that Twisted Metal 1 did and makes it better in every single way, every single freaking way. And it's got, um, more vehicles, more areas to go to. They added destructible areas. Like you can go, you go around the world, you go to Paris, you can blow up the Eiffel tower, you know? And like, I remember that it's just, it's so, it was so cool. I was so hooked on this game. So, uh, I, I used to have wood paneling in my bedroom because I was playing this game as a teenager living at home, had wood paneling. I would carve the level codes into the wood paneling with a letter opener (laughs) because I couldn't find a pen and paper. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, uh, I got to have the code. I got to have the code. So I beat this game with every single character. And that's one of the things I used to love about the older Twisted Metals was every character had a storyline that was essentially connected to the other characters in some way. So you wanted to beat yep. it with every single character to get like this full picture of the story. And in this game, the flagship character from Twist Metal 1, arguably Sweet Tooth, drives the ice cream truck. He's a serial killer with a flaming clown mask. In Twist Metal 2, he's not a playable character. He's not in the game. Except that he is uh, as a secret character. So when you unlock him as a secret character, though, you get no continues. You have to beat the whole game on the three lives you get going through the whole game. It's damn near impossible. I should say as a kid, I remember it being damn near impossible. I did it, uh, and I recorded it on VHS because I didn't think anybody would believe me (laughs) that I did it. Uh, it, I think, will go down in history as one of the worst endings of a game I've ever played. Like, it's just the Damn. stupidest story ever. And I've, I worked so hard for it, you know? Um, but it was funny because the end boss of Twisted Metal 2 is Dark Tooth. Calypso? No, it's Dark oh, okay. Tooth. Sweet Tooth's dad, right? And so okay. when you get to the final level and you're fighting Dark Tooth, he goes, Hey, you killed my son. I'll kill you. Like, okay, because uh, Sweet Tooth's in the game that you fight against. And so when I get to him with Sweet Tooth, you know, I think as a reasonable young man, I thought, well, hey, at least I'm not going to have to fight Dark Tooth because that's probably the ending is I'm like reunited with my dad. And then you get there and he goes, hey, you killed my son. <laughs> and you have to fight <laughs> Dark Tooth. Like, what the hell's wrong with this game? But I did it and I beat it and, uh, and it was, it's wild, man. I, I love Twisted Metal. I mean, I, I look at the logo here, and I just have so many feelings. You know, like, it's this Twisted Metal is in, like, a, a, a font with, like, this metal, brushed metal look. It's got bullet holes in it. There's a flaming clown skull. I mean, it's just, it was just badass, man. The music was, like, heavy metal music, and it was, I mean, all the cutscenes were kind of, like, action comics. They didn't, in the first Twisted Metal, they actually did live action cutscenes. They recorded really? actors and actresses. Awful, just awful. It's very funny. Um, sometimes Jaffe on Twitter will, like, post some of the outtakes of some of those, and this shit's hilarious. <laughs> um, that was that was a pre-Dragula uh, era of music as well, so. Yes, it was. Get- you well, didn't get uh, Rob Zombie's Dracula in every goddamn video game. Yeah, un- well, until though, until Twisted Metal Four, three. well, Our three. Own... So okay, hold on. I think in that three, was what I was referencing now. <laughs> yeah, but in four, you get to drive Dracula, John. Yeah, it's a vehicle in the game. You get to drive it. Oh, now my do God. you know why Twisted Metal three and four sucked so bad? Yeah, they were made by Ninety Nine Studios. 
Um, well, the, which were known for, for like me, NFL game day. For me, the biggest uh, the biggest sin that those games had was that multiplayer was huge on those games. I mean, and it was only two player, but still, it was really fun killing your friends in that game. And in two and three, the camera was like facing like down at a very severe angle. You'd mean three so and that four. way it made it or three and four, yeah. yeah. Um, so it made it very difficult to actually see the other person in the game. And it's probably because they they were dealing with draw distances. Yeah, but but it was like you broke the game. Like the multiplayer just doesn't work well. Yeah, well, so, and they made uh, some big changes. Like in Twist Metal Two, my favorite character is Thumper. Um, he, his special is like a flamethrower. So you just okay. ice blast them, and then you ram into them shooting machine guns, and then you hit your special. And I could kill Mister Grimm in like one special, and most other okay. cars I could kill in two. And so it was really overpowered. Like just being honest, it was super overpowered. Uh, so in Twist Metal Three, though, they added another character that had a flamethrower, and they turned Thumper, and they changed his weapon to like the booming bass waves. <laughs> so like you would send like the supersonic, and I'm like, this sucks. What'd you do to my His thumper? doors would rattle. <laughs> hear the trunk rattle. Yeah, pretty difficult stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Wisconsin hangouts. Um, but yeah, it's so my game of the week. Small brawl. You know, uh, I don't think I ever did. Because I think Small Brawl was incog. I believe they came back really? and did Small Brawl. I could be wrong, but I'll, I believe I'll they look did. Into it. I think I might have it. I don't. Uh, I don't think know. I do. I don't think I do either. Let me check my app real quick. I don't think I, I think that's the only one I don't have. Not that I wouldn't uh, have it. I mean, I, I have Twistmel three and four because I'm a moron, but because <laughs> <laughs> bad games belong in the collection too. Everybody. Yes. Um, Twisted Metal. No, I don't have Small Brawl. So I need that too. All right. Well, you can have the second one I get at the store. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> um. All right. So those are our games of the week. It was Tower of Guns from John and Twist Metal 2 for me. John, what's in your pickup pile of the week? All right. So this is kind of a combination of uh, last week and this week because I totally forgot that I bought a bunch of games. And uh, my my Amazon uh, order list reminded me. Uh, so I got Trials of Mana, uh, like we talked about. Um, I got Kotodama. The Seven Mysteries mysteries of Fujisawa, um, which is some sort of dating sim slash puzzle game. Um, cheapy, cheapy on Amazon. Hey, um, whatever. I got 8-Bit Hordes, uh, which was sitting on my Amazon wish list for a very long time, and then it got discounted finally. Um, I never seen this one in stores. I only saw it on Amazon. There's also 8-Bit... Um, there's 8-Bit... Invaders as well. 8-Bit Army and like 8-Bit Invaders. But yeah, I've always wanted to play those. I've heard they're actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, My next game is 8-Bit Army. Uh, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) For for PS4. Uh, And I got the PS4 version because uh, Greg can see this, but uh, you can't if you're listening. Um, The collector's edition was like $12. And it's massive. That's huge. The box is like five times bigger. Uh, and it so comes with I what? wanted to use it comes with a mask so if i want to use it as a face mask i could nice um so besides that uh i picked up lego harry potter collection on xbox one um which now i have every lego game on xbox one uh 
I got Among the Sleep Enhanced Edition for Xbox One. Um, this is another one where you really don't see it in stores. Um, did they I've do never an enhanced version of that for the PS4 as well? Or they did. Um, okay. They have a they have a regular edition and an enhanced edition. I've played the regular edition on PS4 because I own that, and then I played the enhanced edition on Xbox One, and I don't know what the hell the difference is. Mm, they look okay. exactly the same. Because I uh, uh, at least early on. Because I have the original for PS4, but I just wondered if yeah. I had to get the other one, but. Uh, and then my last game is, uh, something that I tipped you off on and you're like, I don't want that crap. Um, I picked up Unholy Night for Super Nintendo. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, unlicensed SNES Unli- cartridge. Unlicensed, yes. Unlicensed SNES cartridge. You, you, I mean, it you was play... like $10. Yeah. I bought uh, those when they were, I think they were 40. I bought two okay. of them and I lost my ass on both of them. I sold both for under what I paid for them. <laughs> well, well, for ten bucks, I was willing to give it a try. And then, not a bad deal uh, for ten bucks. I'm going to mention the last thing I got because I love it. Um, I picked up the near uh, Automata uh, World Guide, which it's the first one, and it covers like the first couple hours of the game. Uh, and it's just a, it's an art book and quasi strategy guide a little bit. Um, and they're going to be doing another one of these, uh, which I'll probably pick up as well. This was on sale on Amazon. Everything I bought was on sale on Amazon for the nice. most part. <laughs> Look at you, man, being such a frugal shopper. Yes. Um, not wor- not working at GameStop has saved me a lot of money because I mm-hmm. just buy everything on sale on Amazon. Uh, so what is in your pickup pile of the week? So Actually, two things that you've got I'm jealous of. I <laughs> I only have one game. It's Trials of Mana as well. I picked that up, which I'd probably have beaten it already if I wasn't going for the stupid 7 Platinum, but (laughs) it is what it is. This is cool, actually. I I think I sent you the link when this went live, and it actually sold out really quickly, but now it's out everywhere, so it must have just been a a blip. But I picked up the Xbox One Cyberpunk controller. Um, Okay. okay, You got it already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They shipped, like, right away. Um, I'll tell you, that console looks terrible to me the yellow is gross like i don't want that console but this controller is really sweet and it's got like the samurai logo on like the samurai demon cyber demon samurai logo on the back battery cover the triggers are red and gray and it's got like a steel like 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 gunmetal into steel kind of mixed front paint it is freaking sweet man i love this controller and i have a feeling this might this might be very similar to the Sea of Thieves controller, which I don't know if you've looked up the value of that thing lately, but a new Sea of Thieves controller goes for like two, 300 bucks. Damn. That's, so, that's crazy. I know. And I sold mine when it went to like 130 and I was like, hey, 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 and then I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Wish I'd held on to it. Uh, and then my last two items are one in the same, just a little different. Uh, John, very jealous of these because he wants them, but he hasn't gotten his yet. Um, I ordered the, so in the U.S., we're going to be getting the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. And they already went out to a few YouTubers and a few reviewers, and they've been out and making some YouTube videos about it. And then we all got emails from Amazon saying we weren't getting ours until 2021. So I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what's going on with that. But I went to Amazon Japan, and I bought the PC Engine Core Graphics, which is the European TurboGrafx-16. And I bought the PC Engine, which is the Japanese TurboGrafx-16. Now, 
These are both technically, along with the US one that's coming out, these are all the same uh, as far as the game list goes, which was kind of neat because they put all the games on one, even the Japanese-only games, they still put them on the English one, which I thought was really cool. So there's really not a reason to have one more than one. <laughs> so to have two or three is kind of pointless. Um, but the cool thing is the outside all looks different. So every system yeah. is different because of how the system looked in that region. So like the PC engine in, in Japan was this white, and they even went to a detail, which I'm glad they did the detail kind of, except it's not very practical. You'll know what I'm talking about in a second here, John. But in the Japanese one, there's no turbo control. There's no turbo buttons on the controller. So, yeah. But it's, it's how it was when the system launched in Japan. It's a white console, says PC Engine. So the, the core graphics PC Engine is the, the PAL version, so the European version. And that one has turbo toggles for the buttons. And it looks exactly the same as the Japanese one, except it's black instead of white. So I picked up both of those, and I'll still be getting the TurboGrafx-16 mini when it comes out whenever it comes out and i don't think it'll actually be next year i just think that amazon has a placeholder date where they were just like it's not coming anytime soon so i mean at least i hope I'm, i really don't know i'm a little surprised that uh one of these mini consoles isn't the super graphics uh which was their sure. last console and only got like five games well what's weird about this too is that uh a couple of the games that are on here are our PC Engine CD games. <laughs> so, okay. like, one of the games is is Rondo of Blood, which yep. arguably is, like, the one reason to own a Turbo CD would be that. or a Because I have a... I don't know if I told you this, but I have... Because last week you were talking about your Turbo Graphics, and I think I purposely didn't mention it because I didn't want to brag about it. But I have, a, <laughs> I have a Turbo Duo, which is, for those who don't know, it's a Turbo Graphics 16 and a Turbo Graphics CD combined into one unit. And I've got it scar- modded for SCART out so I can do um, component out ultimately through the Frame Meister and, and like the highest quality you can get. Um, but like this, this has the Japanese version of Snatcher for the Turbo CD, but it's all going to be in Japanese. We're not going to be able to play it. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird that they wouldn't tra- do the translation of it. Well, and now let's not forget that this is Konami. <laughs> So Konami is all about low effort, uh, low effort, minimum expectations. Right. And there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff on here. You can play just fine. Star soldier, Gradius, you know, stuff like that. You'll be able to play. And then. Yeah. Is that weird? A Somer assault game that I was talking about last week. Is that on there? Uh, if it is, I can't read it. Okay. Are the (laughs) packages all in Japanese? Well, the Japanese games are all in Japanese. Oh, okay. Um, I could hold up my Google Translate to it sometime and see. Uh, but yeah, still a really cool device though. Like I'm I'm totally all in on these minis. I think they're great. And what I do is I usually mod like each one individually. Like I modded my PS1 classic with all the PS1 games I want on it. So that way it's like, hey, do I want to bust out some PS1 games? I hook up my PS1 classic. Like I know I can play NES and Super Nintendo games on my PS1 classic, but Eh, I just like it. I like it for that. You know, it's like I've got my, the only one I crossed them was uh, my Nintendo and my Super Nintendo and Nintendo games are all in my Super Nintendo classic. Cause I just felt like it's got the four buttons and it kind of makes sense. But yeah, I, w- I would like to give you some homework and tell you to play that damn thing so we can get some impressions next week. Yeah, I want, I want to do that. And then I want to do an unboxing video actually too. So I got to get some more light in here so that I can do like a proper unboxing. But yes, I agree. I, I think it'd be cool. And, and I do want to play and there's not really a reason I don't think to not open it. So 
Um, but that is it, uh, everybody, for the podcast today. Thank you so much, as always, for listening and watching. Remember, you can follow us uh, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the drop rate on YouTube, youtube.com slash drop rate. And you can follow me on Twitter at game, tr- uh, game trade Greg. You can follow John on Twitter at dryer combo. And, uh, and we appreciate it, you know, and, and again, if you have any listener questions, we want to answer more. So hit us with it, whatever you got. Uh, even if it's not super game related, if it's like, Hey, what, like you could ask us personal questions, like, Hey, what's the first game you ever played? Or, you know, what kind of games you like to play? Like I'd prefer it to be gaming related, but you can ask us questions, uh, you know, and we'll answer them or we won't <laughs> if we don't want to. So, uh, but it's always I'm a, an open book. Yeah. John yeah. will tell you everything, even things you don't ever want to know. He'll just tell Awkward you. teenage sexual <laughs> experiences. You, we can go there. See, there's a little taste, everybody. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for listening and watching. Say goodbye, John. See ya. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.